Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to hear real life stories about how God works all things together for good, because he is always faithful and always good. Well, hey, before we get this party started, I have some exciting news for you. If you're ready to get your book in front of an entirely new and fast-growing market, an audiobook would be perfect for you. Having an audiobook gives you the opportunity to get your book in front of more people while giving the listener a new way to hear your story in an intimate way. An estimated 131 million people listen to an audiobook in 2021. And do you know that the people that listen to audiobooks don't read print books? They only listen to audiobooks. So it's a whole new market for you to take advantage of. Leverage the opportunity of getting your book in front of millions of people by having an audiobook today. We can help you create one. Visit redemptionpressaudio.com for our introductory special. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to a new Redemption Press author, Lauren Forbes, and her new book, We Walk This Line. Lauren Forbes grew up in a law enforcement family and then married a sheriff's deputy. And now she speaks to first responder families nationwide on how to maintain healthy relationships. Lauren lives in Sparks, Nevada, where she enjoys teaching middle school students who laugh at her lame jokes. When she isn't teaching or speaking, Lauren spends time crafting, crocheting, and volunteering for the Reno Rodeo and Northern Nevada chapter of Concerns of Police Survivors, also known as COPS. Lauren has one daughter and their family always includes at least one dog. So find out more about Lauren at lifebehindtheblue.com. And let's roll that interview. Well, Lauren, it is such a delight to have you on the All Things Podcast today. It has been a long time coming since we first met and talked about your book idea. So welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much. It, it has been quite the journey. Amen. So before we jump into just some backstory on how this devotional came to be and uh, the message and all that um, you have written about in this book, uh, let's back up a little and just help our listeners just get a little glimpse into your life and how God has worked. We've all got lots of those stories, but I want you to just share your favorite uh, Romans 8, 28 story where God worked all things together for good in your life, even when you could not imagine how he could do it. You know, Athena, you're so, so right. There's so many different stories and testimonies in my personal life that I could think of, but the one that really has resonated and driven my life this book, my message, defining my purpose is really the message 
and the story of when we lost our good friend and our coworker, Carl Howell, in August 15th of 2015. He was killed in the line of duty as a law enforcement officer. And it was awful. It was so tragic. It was just devastating. I mean, to think of this wonderful individual that his life was cut short trying to serve and help others. And I knew and I held on to the promise that God was going to work this for his good, that there was going to be a better thing that came from this. But I was hanging on to that promise with everything that I had because it hurt so deeply. And being able to look back now and see how from that horrible incident, we now have supports and a community that has surrounded and come together around our first responders in our area. It's so wonderful to see that we ha now have mental health peer support groups. We have a nonprofit organization that's come in and provided supports for other families. It's called COPS, which is Concerns of Police Survivors. They come in and they help those that have lost others that have been killed in the line of duty in law enforcement. We have a local chapter, this, this book, there's been other trainings in our area. So from this horrific, awful, no good, very bad incident, we now get to see the wonderful ripple effect that it's had in our community. People in our community step forward and say, no, I stand with law enforcement. I support first responders. And it was so great to see that. And I knew that God was gonna do something great. I just didn't know when. I didn't know if it was gonna be a year later, two years later, if I was gonna have to wait till I got to heaven and asked him in real life, like, God, what did you do with this? But no, I'm so fortunate to be here now, just to look back and say, oh, I see how he went and knit all of that together for his good. Mm. Amen. I love that. So you grew up in a law enforcement family. Where did your father serve and how did being a first responder affect your mom and you and your siblings? Let's start there. My dad first started his law enforcement career in Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office. He they were living down there. I was born and nine months later after I was born, they moved up to northern Nevada where my dad was in the sheriff's department as well as worked with the university police for a very short time, but with the sheriff's department for another 24 plus years up here in Northern Nevada. And so that's all I knew growing up was that dad was a police officer. I was very, very proud of him. I was proud of who he was, who he helped. I got to hear these amazing stories of him helping out families and I thought it was great. I thought it was wonderful. My mom was, is still amazing, phenomenal rock in our family. I thought this was just, it was a great childhood. It was a great growing up experience. Um, I remember going to school, being very proud of my dad's career, telling others about it. My sister and I both were very proud of him. We would go to law enforcement events with my dad and he seemed to know everyone. So it was great getting to kind of see behind the scenes in some things because he knew so-and-so because he had helped them with something that he was in with them with law enforcement. So, so how, how, how did your mom like 
did she end up isolating as she was married to him? Were there, was there, were there any dynamics there that were, um, now that you kind of look back and see? She, she really did an amazing job. She was able to connect with our church family. She connected with neighbors and friends and she kept us going. We never really noticed a big absence in dad being gone. And he went to this, to soccer practice when we could, when he could be there, he took off time and it was, it was amazing. And I think I saw how well my parents did it. So when it became my turn to marry a law enforcement officer, I thought, oh, this is going to be so easy. My mom did it. She made it look so easy. And I was so wrong. <laughs> wow. So what would you say are some of the concerns and issues that first responders and their family deal with on a regular basis? And you've experienced some of that yourself. So mm -hmm. share a little bit of that with us. Well, when I was growing up, I was so proud of him. And then when I married a law enforcement officer, I felt so proud of him and I was ready to tell everybody who he was, where he worked, what he did. And the first time somebody scoffed at me and said, well, this one officer gave me a speeding ticket when I was here doing this. And I was like, taken aback. I was like, you don't think police are awesome? I don't understand that. I just only knew amazing people in law enforcement that were honest and helping people. And so for someone to, to think that they were bad people was so foreign to me. So I became sheltered of myself because I was thinking, wow, other people don't like them if they don't like them. And then seeing in media how people were training them. So the idea that they're not the best people just is, is foreign to me and it scared me. And I, I started to isolate myself because of that. And then we see on the news, we see all the bad things that are happening. And it can be a very scary spiral if you allow it. So there's obviously a lot of fear mm -hmm. that can, you know, can really go out of control if we're not like really hanging on to God and believing what scripture says. Now he, the, um, your dad or your husband they didn't, I mean, they couldn't really isolate, I would guess, because they're working a lot, right? Right. They, and they had their work family and you see it all the time with firefighters, paramedics, law enforcement officers, military, they go through trauma together and it binds them together in this brotherhood and this amazing family. And so they had their work buddies to commiserate and talk about and process through the situation. But the spouse is left home alone to try to figure out what just happened. My spouse comes home, my first responder comes home and tells me these horrific stories. How do I process this thing without anybody else to talk to? I'm here alone with the dogs or with the kids. Who do I talk to? So how did that, I mean, was that something for you as a spouse? Um, did, 
did it turn into you kind of hiding in that place and being um, lonely? I mean, just going through all of that where, you know, when you've kind of already had the culture shock of people responding in a way that was completely unreal to you, then when you start to just kind of stay home and turn inward to protect you know, yourself and your feelings. And so what did that look like for you? It was a lot of phone calls to my mom in tears, honestly, because I saw her as a strong woman who was able to do the law enforcement wife thing with such grace. And I wanted to emulate that. So I called her. I was like, Mom, how do I do this? How, wh what did you do? What secret did I miss where you were able to process this information? You were able to process the negativity and what he sees at work. And how did you help us kids? How did you protect us from, from all of this harsh negativity that's in our society and our culture? How did you do that? So by asking for help by seeking the wisdom of, of others, I really was able to see, okay, number one, I'm not the only one. There were times mom was frustrated, were times that mom was worried and scared and reminding me that here's where our truth lies. This is what we know. They're training, reminding me of all of those things that go into their careers that keep them safe, helping ground me back in logic and reality was really helpful because my mind was just spiraling out of control. And when I was doing that, I started to look up and realize I was not the only one feeling this. I was not the only one experiencing this isolation and this worry and this out of control feeling of, I don't want them to go to work, but this is their job. This is what they love to do. How do I, mm. how do I still have faith and trust that they go to work and have faith that they're going to come home. Mm, mm. So, okay. So you have a daughter. Yes. How does having a first responder dad affect and influence her life? And what kinds of concerns have you had to deal with, with her? I see her a lot like me. She's definitely my daughter. She is very proud of her dad and what he does in a career. She's very proud to wear shirts and stickers and draw pictures of first responders, of law enforcement officers. She sees them and waves at them because she knows who they are underneath the uniform. She sees who they are behind the badges. And I worry for her for that first time when she does come across somebody that says, Ugh, this officer treated me so poorly because I remember that feeling of having my bubble bursted that people didn't experience, have the same experiences that I did. Another thought that I had as a mom is my daughter is so proud and excited of her dad and sees everything he does to help others. And I remember that night she says, Mommy, I want to grow up and be an officer too. And my first guttural instinct was, no, not my baby. Thinking huh. I needed to protect her from what realities I did know. The, yeah. the horrible realities that they see, the awfulness. But all she can think about is helping people. 
serving a community, being there for others, being selfless. And that is who she is at her core. And then taking another breath and thinking, if this really is her calling, if this really is who she wants to become and who God has made her to be, then I need to be there to support her in the best way that I can, because she's going to do an amazing job at it. But that first guttural reaction of a mom, like, no, no. protect her. <laughs> oh, man. So when did you begin working with first responder couples? And what's the first thing that you tell them? I first started working with first responder couples shortly after my husband was in the police academy. I realized that there's this whole community of other spouses that were feeling the same things I was feeling. He went to an academy where he had to live there. So he was away for an entire week living there at the police academy facilities. He'd come home on the weekends and then he'd leave Sunday night. And it was a harsh reality as a newlywed to have your spouse go away for an entire week and then come back. Like that's not what you really think of when you are in your honeymoon months and years. So shortly after he did that, he started telling me about these other guys that were in the Academy and their wives were upset and frustrated and scared. I was like, Oh good. I'm not the only one. And I called my mom. I said, mom, how, how did you handle this? How did you handle the worry? How did you handle the anxiety? And she talked me through my anxieties and my worries. And then I told my, my husband, I said, hey, so tell them to do this. And then, oh, try this trick and try that and see if that works for them. And so through the grapevine, I was connecting with these other people. And I finally was like, okay, I'm done talking through the, the men. They're, they're missing some of the information. I need to get in front of these other women, predominantly women spouses and talk to them about what I know and what my secrets that my mom is telling me because they're helping me. They've got to be helping other people. And then thinking about their kids. I didn't have a child at the time, but thinking about their kids. Oh yeah. I remember my dad did this. This really helped my dad. I should tell them to try this out and, and let's see if we can get a communication and a network going. So by starting early with them, I went and I spoke with them at the academy. I had this training that I presented. It was awful. It was two hours long, those poor people. I locked them in a room and made them listen to me go on for two hours. But I realized how much they wanted it, how much they really needed to hear it because they had seen their spouses start out as grocery clerks or as you know, working down at the corner store and now they're going into a scary career and they didn't have that ever as a reality. I was the fortunate one that grew up in it. Right. So um, talk a little bit about the attitude today toward first responders. We've, we've touched on that a little bit, but mm -hmm. how they and their families actually deal with that negativity. It's, tough. It's really tough. And it, I've noticed that it depends upon the community. I know that I'm really fortunate in Northern Nevada that a lot of our community is very pro first responder, pro law enforcement, very supportive. I know that in our community, I feel comfortable having um, 
a tattoo showing my support or a bumper sticker that's showing support. I know a lot of people feel comfortable wearing a t-shirt to the grocery store and not getting a second look. You'll even get a pat on the back saying, hey, nice shirt. But I know that in different parts of our state, they don't feel comfortable at Mm. all. They don't have any markings on their vehicles. They tell their children not to tell their friends what mom and dad do for work. They, and it, they, I don't want to say they live in fear. It's just a very sad reality that they're having to live with and work with. Mm. I just cannot even imagine. So now you touched a little bit on what led you to write the devotional, the blue line, had you noticed a lack of spiritual content for first responder couples? I did. And not necessarily a lack of spiritual content for first responders, because there's some amazing devotionals for the first responder. Or there's a a couple of books about how, how to, as as a spouse. There's some really, really great ones. But what I found lacking was that there wasn't something that they could work through together. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was knowing, noticing when I was working with couples is I would talk to the wife and I'd say, oh yeah, this works, this works, but then tell your spouse to do this. Or I was talking to the first responder, this works, this works, but then go home and tell your spouse that. They needed to come together in a partnership and an understanding on so many topics. And that was what was lacking in this genre is a book to work to through together on some of these really difficult topics. Mm. So what are some other resources that you actually recommend for first responder couples and families? There's some amazing Facebook social media groups out there. There's some that are great for wives, There's some that are great for first responders specifically. There's some that are just for the families. So I recommend just good old fashioned search on social media. As always with anything and everything, take it with a grain of salt, see what kind of conversation, what kind of atmosphere is in those groups. Because I have also found some that are kind of negative and I'm like, I'm going to pass. Just quietly exit and move on to the next one. You're going to find some great ones out there. I've also found some amazing books There's um, bullets in the washing machine is amazing. There's a first responder devotional out there called the Bulletproof Marriage. There's, there are some resources out there that are, are phenomenal. There's peer support groups. You just have to open yourself up and be vulnerable for just a second and ask for that help which is so hard for first responders to do because they're used to being the helpers, yep. not the helpies. Yep. So what final encouragement can you offer to first responder couples out there? The biggest thing I can say is communication. In every facet of this career in your marriage is communication. That is the A number one thing that you have to do. Talk about shifts. Talk about what special training you need to do. Talk about the equipment you need to buy. Talk about your kids. Talk about disciplining them. What are you going to do when the neighbors come knocking at the door? Talk about all of the what ifs because 
Murphy's law says if you plan for it, it's not going to happen. So just talk about every aspect of it. Don't hold anything back. Don't be worried about scaring them away. Be honest and open. And in that communication, you're going to find some common ground, some commonality that you're both worried about some of the same things. And in doing so, you're just going to develop a deeper trust for each other. Mm. Good, good. So if we have some people listening today and they want to connect with you either on social media or online, what is the best place for them to do that? The best place to go would be Facebook or my website. They are both Life Behind the Blue. I chose Life Behind the Blue because that ran the gamut between all the different first responders. While I'm a wife of law enforcement, there's so many themes that are the same for law enforcement officers, for the medical field, for firefighters, for everything. And I found that the common thing that they have is blue. They have a lot of blue uniforms. They have blue lights. They have blue emblems. And I found that that was the common thread through all of them. So life behind the blue, Facebook or website. And so the website is lifebehindtheblue.com? Yes. All right. Well, my friend, thank you so much for being with us today. I just um, am so excited about the ministry God's given you and just many blessings on all that you do for first responder wives and couples and just um, God's blessing on it as you continue to move forward and the book gets out there and starts touching lives. I'm just so excited for you. Thank you. Me too. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Romans 828 Bookstore and Redemption Press. If today's episode encouraged you, we would love to have you share it with your friends on social media and maybe even leave a review on Apple. That will help the algorithms get us up higher to the top when people are searching for podcasts that can bring them hope and encouragement. So thanks again for joining us today, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.